Well, how did you reach some of these conclusions and uh, among your 10 major findings? Well, what we did was we gathered a lot of media reports on police involvement in violent and serious crime. So what we mean by that is not cases of corruption or so forth, but actually where police have planned and then executed violent crimes like armed robbery, hijackings or rapes. And we also then collected information from ICPED, the Independent Police Investigative Directorate. And through this, we put the report together and came to the conclusions that we, like as you said, the 10 conclusions that we came to. Are you sure these are real policemen? We have evidence of of cloned police officers out there. So how, how do you determine that if you're just basing this on media reports? Yes, there are current police officers out there, but we found that these cases are, there are too many of them to be carried out by, only by clones. And we also question, well, if there are that many clones out there, how does the police not know about them? How does the police, how do they get hold of, for example, the exact uniforms and how can the police just let it happen if there's that many of them. So we did come to the conclusion that there must be some involvement of police. For example, it would be one police officer and then four clones carrying out a you know, an armed robbery, for example. It's important to mention among your 10 key major findings, the only concession you give the police here is that you say they're taking the lead in dealing with the crisis, but their efforts fall short. How? We feel that they are taking the lead, they are making a, an, an effort, but there are still police officers out there on duty who are going through the disciplinary process but still working as police officers and therefore still free to, you know, to commit crime and to do what they like. And uh, also we found that too many police-issued weapons are used in these sorts of crimes as well. So even though they are trying to make an effort, we just feel that the policy proposals that we made in 2011 in the first report of this kind have not been implemented properly. How do we rebuild trust within the police service? Two of your findings here say that the public are afraid of the police, with good reason you say, and that the public, particularly the middle class and the poor, are bypassing the police to protect themselves. How do we rebuild that trust? Exactly, and that's the biggest problem. We actually had members of the FAPS at our media briefing this morning representing the police service, and they were saying people should put their hazards on and drive to the nearest petrol station and then only there talk to the police. Now, you know, uh, so you have to do this every single time, and what if there's no, what if there's no uh, petrol station nearby, for example? So what we're saying is that there should be, be, that the discipline should be reinstated in the police. We're even thinking that training should be in in a military kind of style to get or that sort of discipline. We're not saying we have to militarize our streets in any way, but just put pride and 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 discipline back into wearing the blue uniform. And there are many police officers who do who do work hard and do have pride and it must be very, very difficult for them as well to work in that sort of atmosphere. And we feel that as we see less and less of these incidents reported, especially in the media, the trust will be rebuilt. One of your recommendations to rebuild that trust is to establish a new investigative agency within the Department of Justice to hunt down these criminals who act within the police service. We have IPID already, the Independent Police Investigative Directorate. How is this any different? We do need we feel that 
it's um, ITIP should be better resourced and should be supported by this investigative agency. And also, if there are this many incidents, I mean, it can be overwhelming for um, for the justice process to take place. So the Department of Justice can be part of that and assist in that as well and just make this sort of progress or this sort of process move faster and so that we can eventually build a much better and much more trustworthy police service in our country. Minky Marie Stateley, thanks for joining us. She's Head of Media and Public Affairs at the South African Institute of Race Relations in Johannesburg. Let's talk to the police now. The police spokesperson, Lieutenant General Solomon Mahale, joining us on the line. Lieutenant General, good afternoon. Thank you for your time. Good afternoon, yes, and thank you for having me on your show. As we heard, the Institute of Race Relations presented this report to the police. Many of you were there. What was your response? Look, well, first of all, I mean, we don't have a problem working with any institution that wants to do research, but uh, it would have been good if they had come to us and engaged us as a professional outfit to say, here is something that we want to research. Can Can you give us some data that we can analyze so that when we draw conclusions, those conclusions are informed. Uh, no one is saying that police are not involved in crime. The public knows about it because we inform the public as and when we arrest police officers. We talk a lot about the work that we are doing to make sure that at recruitment level we get the right kind of people that have the correct qualifications and have the correct personality to serve in this, uh, in this organization. Well, we've, we've completed an audit that told us how many have criminal records. We are dealing with that. We are busy with vetting. So there's a lot of work that is being done to make sure that we get rid of the criminal elements within the South African Police Service. General, are, are, are you, uh, is there an assumption then that the, uh, that the findings by the Institute are wrong because they didn't come to you first? No. They, they, they're not telling us anything that is new because they went and read newspapers, and then after reading newspapers, they come and draw inferences. If you really want to analyze and say, this is what is happening in the South African Police Service, and also what is it that is being done about it, we're not saying there's no criminality. We are the ones who are saying there is, and this is what we are doing about it. This is the number of police officers we've arrested. These are the number that we have gotten rid of. We issue statements. We call the media for, for briefings on these issues. We go to Parliament. We present to Parliament about what we're doing. So what they're telling us is nothing new. And you can't call that research. You went and read newspapers, and then you draw certain conclusions to say each and every police officer that you see around the corner is going to rape you, is going to murder you, is going to rob you. That's, that's, that's a just generalization. You talk about finding those police officers that have a criminal record. Uh, the Institute here says of the 9,000 cases that have been referred to IPED, they report only 218 successful convictions between 2013 and 2014. How effective is the disciplinary action within IPED and the police? We talk for the police. We take, serious, uh, we take the issue of discipline within the police very, very seriously. If people are found to have been involved in any form of criminality, action is taken. However, what uh, a lot of people would say is that, well, you must dismiss them immediately. And we can't. There are laws in this country that we have to follow. And prosecuting a police officer, anybody who works in the policing industry will tell you, 
that it's very difficult. Because these are people that are highly trained, they're very skillful. They would use that to make sure that they throw every trick at you so that they don't get a conviction. Um, but we, we're doing our level best, and often and sometimes they there are other sanctions besides being dismissed. They can be fined a salary, they can be given a warning in line with the protocols and the policy, disciplinary policy of the SATF. There were policy proposals put forward back in 2011. They're calling for you to dust them off and implement them now. Would that be something that could be done? I didn't hear that part of the conversation, but I can tell you what is it that we are doing in terms of uh, further enhancing the work that we were already put in place. The National Commissioner will soon announce a new unit, uh, integrity management unit, modeled along the lines of what we've seen at SARS, uh, but we'll be doing a lot more to say that this unit will be responsible for dealing with issues of integrity in terms of academic qualifications, dealing with issues of criminality within the police, dealing with issues of declarations. You can't be a police officer earning a salary of 12,000 rands a month and then you drive a Porsche. That we need to, you need to explain that well. And this is the type of things that we'll be doing to make sure that we reduce and we completely get rid of these people that are committing crime but are in the employ of the SSN. And who will be who will that unit report to? Will it be the Minister of Justice, as is being suggested by the Institute here? The unit will report to the National Commissioner of the South African Police Service. It's a unit under her control within the SAPS.